Welcome to Real Estate Pro Tips and Strategies. The theme is how to buy a home or sell a home in a changing real estate market. Hi, my name is Pete Sabine and I'm here with my team partner, Leslie Whitney. We are real estate professionals with Compass and the five-star real estate team here in the San Francisco Bay Area. We want to share with you our real estate expertise to give you a competitive edge and provide insight with useful information so you can make an informed decision for your next home purchase. Leslie and I break down the most important aspects of real estate. Future podcasts will reveal how to navigate as a home buyer or seller. Let's begin our podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of Real Estate Pro Tips and Strategies. The topic today is the top 10 reasons why your home has not sold. After you put your house on the market, you might be hopeful for a quick sale, especially if you've invested a lot of money improving the house and if you've and if in your neighborhood After you put your house on the market, you might be hopeful for a quick sale, especially if you've invested a lot of money improving the house and if your neighborhood is in high demand. While you should not panic if the house does not sell right away, you should be concerned after six weeks without receiving an offer. Pete, has that ever happened to you with any of your listings? And what are the reasons why a house may not be selling? Sure, it's happened to me with a lot of my listings. And the number one reason a house doesn't sell is that it's priced too high. So if your house is overpriced, it's not going to sell. The longer your property stays on the market, the less likely it's going to sell at your asking price. So it's really important that you get your pricing accurate before you introduce your home to the market. And one of the best ways to do that is to compare your home to similar properties that have recently sold within your area to get an accurate idea of its true value. Do not make the mistake of adding 100% of the cost of any renovations you made. Don't assume that the cost of all renovations translate to an equivalent added value. Some add full value, some add more than full value, and some really don't make a difference at all. So the number two reason is poor presentation. What does that mean? Well, if your listing doesn't have a good description of the property or you've used amateur photography, most buyers will not want to visit the home. So make sure that your realtor creates a listing that attracts the attention of buyers with professional photos and video of the interior and the exterior of the house. So what's the number three reason? You're too attached. What does that mean? I think that means you're too attached to your home And, well, I know what that means. You know, oftentimes sellers are too attached to their home and the price is non-negotiable, the price that they have in their head, whatever that might be. So you really have to think about how motivated are you to sell and what are you willing to do? Yeah, so I say, is your why strong enough? If your reason why isn't strong enough, you're not ready to let go of what you have. So what I found with people in that position is that They're trying to sell their home instead of being committed to selling the home, right? Would you agree with that? I would agree. Yeah. And and going back to the price, I mean, we all know that every home has a price that it will sell at. It might be a low price. It might not be the price that you want. But ultimately, the number one reason really is the price. If you price your home low enough, it's going to sell. But that's often the hard part. 
for sellers to come to grips with, understandably. Okay. So the number four reason, hmm. houses that smell do not sell. So yeah. what's it like for you when you walk in, you open up the door, and before you even cross the threshold, you're hit between the eyes with a really powerful odor. It could be pets. It could be smoking cigarette smoke. It could be they just got done cooking food, whatever it is. What's the reaction that you get from your clients? Well, it's really distracting because all you can think about is this bad smell. And you look, you go around the house, look at everything, and the smell is lingering. And also, like you said, I mean, you know, a bad smell is a very personal thing. What right. smells okay to the seller, they're used to it, it's their home, it's their pet, it's their food, generally does not come across the same for outsiders. Well, don't you find that when you're inside a home and the odor is just so overwhelming that you want to leave? Yes. Your instinct is to leave. And you can't possibly sell a home unless you hang out and really try it on for size. So the odor gets in the way of people wanting yes, to do that. It does. And yeah. you can't cover up bad odors with air fresheners either. I've seen that. It's kind of a bad move. It's right. Kind of, it's, because that's just another type of odor, isn't it? It's a cover-up odor. Mm -hmm. And so you're thinking, well, once these people move out and they take all of their air fresheners with them, <laughs> what am I stuck with? <laughs> right? Yes. Nobody wants that. No, there's nothing worse than a bad and, smelling And odor. along with that, you know, the same part of this is a dirty house leaves a bad impression on a buyer. Nobody wants to move into somebody else's dirt. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, even with the fixer-upper, like an as-is fixer-upper, mm -hmm. if it's clean, if people can feel like, yeah, I can live in this home and remodel it room by room, but I'm not moving into somebody else's, right. you know, unkempt situation. And that's not really a big effort. It's easy enough to hire a cleaning crew to come through there and professionally clean the place, no matter what the condition is of the home. To at least have it clean is really an absolute must. Right. So all the appliances, the floor coverings, carpet, windows inside and out, just make it clean. And usually in the process of cleaning, you're going to get rid of 90% of the odor problems anyway, right? Right. So the number five reason is? Decor and remodeling that is too personalized. Well, that's actually number six. Oh, lack of emotional appeal. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so lack of emotional appeal. So if the home is vacant and there's nothing in it, when you walk inside a vacant home, what do you feel? What you feel is there's no tug on the emotional heartstrings is there right it just feels like a big cold mm -hmm. empty dwelling mm -hmm. kind of echoes when you walk in yeah right so i learned this a long time ago with staging staging didn't exist until the late 1980s early 1990s and i discovered staging by a decorator that was doing this in washington up in the seattle area and my partner and i at the time we're representing a lot of custom home builders. And what we learned about custom home builders is they know how to build a house, but they know nothing about marketing and presenting a home. So we had all these high-end listings for sale. All of them were vacant. In a hot market, you can sell anything to anybody in any condition, even if it smells. <laughs> okay, But in a market that's not so hot, you're going to get stuck with houses that aren't selling. And that's what happened with us. 
And that's when we learned the power of staging. So we had all these high-end homes sitting on the market vacant, never been lived in, brand new homes, beautiful homes. The market cooled off, and then we started to experiment with staging. And back in those days, it was all self-staging. We didn't have staging companies like we have today. So my partner went out and found a furniture rental company, and we hired a decorator to consult with us, and they, she did all the, dec the uh, accessorizing and helped us pick out the furniture. And so once we staged these homes, what we discovered is, is that they would usually sell within 30 days or less, even without having to change the price because the market was softening, because we now were appealing to selling the home emotionally instead of just the square footage, the location, the quality of the roofing materials, all the things that builders want to talk about, but buyers really have a hard time falling in love with. So that's how we learned about staging. And now everybody stages, right? Yes. And it really is an important part. And it can be quite the investment oftentimes, but it's worth it. And it's important to remember that these stagers are staging the home for sale. They know they're professionals. They know how to make a room look inviting. They know how to highlight a home in the best possible way using the furniture and decor. So it really makes a big difference. Right. So new home builders figured this out a long time ago. Have you ever walked into a model home that isn't completely staged and accessorized? No, because they know the power. It's it's like retail selling. Mm -hmm. And you want the buyer to feel at home when they're touring the house. The number one clue I look for when I'm showing a home that somebody's really bonding with the home emotionally is How actually sit down on a piece of furniture and hang out. They sit down and they take it on for size. They're just mm -hmm. like taking it all in. And that is a number one buying clue. The other buying clue that I see is they start opening up closets and drawers. If you're not interested in a home because you're not getting the right vibe as you walk through it, you're just going to pass through as quickly as you can. Yeah. If you're slowing down to open up doors, sitting down on the furniture, talking, having a conversation, that's a pretty good clue that you're bonding with the property. Yes. And you're not going to do that if it smells. You're not going to do it if it's dirty. And you're not going to do it if there's nowhere to sit. <laughs> True. Okay, let's go back to... The decor or remodeling is too personalized. Yes. That could happen. That's number six. Number six. Right. So what does that look like? I think it means that when you walk into somebody's house, they've got too much of their own personality in, into the decor, meaning how it's decorated, and sometimes the way that they remodeled the house. I remember the time I walked in on a listing appointment and the bathroom, the guest bathroom, you open up the door, it was black. The walls, the ceilings were all painted black, black tile, black bathtub, black sink, black everything. Mm -hmm. And you turn the light on and it was still dark in there, <laughs> you know? And it's like, what are we going to do with this? And they spent a lot of money making that bathroom black. I'd never seen a bathroom before that hmm. was all black. And I knew that that was going to get in the way of selling the home. Right. Even though it might be a relatively easy thing to fix, such as, you know, paint color often is, but it's just like the smells, it's distracting right. to the buyer, the potential buyer. And it's just not necessary to right. have that distraction. So usually when people prepare their homes to sell, one of the things that they usually do is paint. 
So if you're going to paint, why not consult with a decorator and paint the colors that are currently trendy and popular and really help to evoke that warm vibe that make the house feel younger with decorator colors as opposed to trying to get it right on your own and putting either choosing the wrong colors or painting your cabinets bright red because you like it. Mm -hmm. I remember this home in a very high-end neighborhood. They painted their kitchen cabinets red. And they were beautiful high-end cabinets. They were just the wrong color. That house sat on the market for over six months. Hmm. They ended up changing the price three times. And the house finally sold. And they took a $150,000 loss. When if they had just painted their cabinets and spent $5,000 to paint, mm -hmm. the house probably would have sold. And they would have saved $145,000 yeah. over paint. Right. And oftentimes sellers feel like, well, I don't like gray. I think that's ugly or whatever the case may be. But you really got to put your own personal taste aside and really trust your realtor or your stager or whoever you're consulting. Trust them that they know what most people like and enjoy and what it, what what is what is attractive to most people. That's but, important. Yeah, that's a great point. And usually when I'm getting resistance around following what the professionals suggest, whether it's a stager, a decorator, whatever it is, and I'm getting resistance from the owner, that's a clue they're not ready to let go. Mm -hmm. That That's a clue that their why isn't strong enough and that they're going to try to sell instead of being committed to sell and doing whatever it takes to get the house sold and do it in such a way where they can get top dollar for it. Right. Okay, so number seven is... Less is less more. Less is more. And what does that mean? That means that if you have too much of something, <laughs> it's going to get in the way. Less is more. What it means is that you have too much stuff. You have too much furniture. You have too much clutter. You have too many pictures on the walls. You have too many knickknacks on your kitchen cabinet drawers. You have too much stuff. When you open up the closet door, you have to stand back because there's an avalanche of stuff coming at you from the closet. So less is more. What that means is, is that part of staging your home and presenting it well is thinning things out. You want to make the house feel as large as it possibly can as you're walking through because that spatial quality is what people equate to value. If the house feels too small, it might not be too small physically in size, but it's got so much stuff in it that it feels smaller than it is. Yeah, that's not good. Space is... A commodity and people like things that are spacious and roomy. So that's a good tip. The next one is too many repairs are needed. What does that mean? That means that when somebody walks into a home, they feel overwhelmed with what we call deferred maintenance. What's deferred maintenance? Well, it hasn't been painted in 15 years. Or the roof has a 30-year lifespan, and that was 35 years ago. Things like that, like deferred maintenance, property that needs to be updated, repaired, that type of thing. Unless you're selling a fixer-upper, buyers understand when they, you know, if you're selling a fixer-upper that they're expecting it to need work. But if you're not selling a fixer-upper and you're asking a retail price, meaning you're competing with houses that, that have been remodeled or updated, it needs to be in good condition. The systems need to be operable. The HVAC, the plumbing, the electrical, health and safety issues, things of that nature. 
if there are too many of those repairs needed and you're asking full price for it, meaning as if all those things were fixed, it's going to get in the way of getting the house sold. Right. And also, I know we talked about this before about how to prepare your house for sale, but that's why getting these inspections and getting everything checked out is important because even if you're not going to do the repairs, the next best thing is to at least have or provide a good picture of what is needed to get the house repaired so that the potential buyer knows exactly what they're getting into and knows exactly the condition that the home is in. So that's at the very least is to prepare um, those reports. Um, so the next one would be the market trend has changed. What would that mean? It means that while you're on the market, the market has shifted. So what that looks like is when you first interview a realtor to sell your home, the market could be really on fire, could be a hot seller's market. By the time you get the house prepared and ready to go three or four months later, the market has tempered. And usually there's a shift in supply and demand or there's some external event that's happening with interest rates going up or down or whatever is happening you know, externally that could change a market trend. And it can change while you're on the market. So the trick is paying attention to the market trend while you're on the market and being mindful that it can change. Because if your whole strategy and presentation is geared towards one type of market trend and now you're finding yourself in a different kind of a market, you need to make course corrections to align with the market that you're in. And if you're unwilling or unable to do that, then you need to sit it out and wait till the market shifts again. And that could be a long time. So your realtor should be monitoring the competing homes for sale and the supply and demand ratio and communicate with you to make any adjustments in your marketing and pricing strategy while you're on the market. Good ideas. And also along those lines, it's really helpful to keep track of feedback that you've gotten from potential buyers and to see if there's any sort of pattern there. If you're, if you're getting a bunch of feedback that, I don't know, it could be anything that the front, the backyard is too small or the kitchen's layout is too odd, then, you know, at least you, you might get an idea of, of what's holding buyers back. Feedback is really good and it's very useful to have your ear to the ground and pay attention and be open to the feedback. It might not be what you want to hear, but it's usually what you need to hear. And so that's super important that you don't be lagging. You're not lagging in the direction that the market's going because it's costly to catch up with it. If you're not making course corrections from the feedback that you're getting, and the reports you're getting from a realtor about what's going on in the marketplace with sales activity, if you get behind that curve, it usually ends up costing you more to sell it because by the time you figure out that you're behind that curve, you're going to make two or three substantial price changes in many cases to get caught up. Whereas if you had just made smaller course corrections earlier, you could have gotten it sold sooner than that. And that leads us to the final point, which is you hired a novice realtor, which really is what we're talking about, because getting the feedback, keeping your pulse on the market, all that is really done by a, an expert realtor. And so who you hire is important. Well, there are some realtors that have gotten into our business 
um, recently. They've never been in, in any other kind of a market than the one that they got into when they got their license. So they don't know any better. They, they didn't have to navigate through a buyer's market when they got started in the business. It might have been a seller's market, and now it's shifted, and, and they, they aren't even aware of the clues of what to look for when things change. And a market in transition is one of the most difficult markets to get a sale together because the buyers know the market's changing, but the sellers are holding on to yesterday's market. And so when you have that difference of opinion, it's hard to get come to a meeting of the minds and get an offer accepted when the buyers are making different offers based on a different market. So when you hire a realtor, hire a seasoned professional that knows the local market, it makes all the difference in selling your home. You can avoid making these mistakes by hiring somebody that's experienced and following their advice. And, you know, as you're looking for realtors to hire and as you are interviewing, it might be a good question to ask them. What are you going to do, Mr. or Mrs. Realtor, if my house doesn't sell? What is your plan? Right. And that might be eye-opening to see how they respond and and see how they've thought that through because that's an important thing to think about ahead of time. Yeah, that is a really valuable question to ask in an interview when you're selecting a realtor because if the realtor doesn't have a plan B besides a plan A, you're going to be in trouble if things change. Right. And that is a clue that you're dealing with a novice rather than a pro. A pro's been there before. That's the difference. The pro is there to help you see around corners, quote unquote. In other words, they've been there before, so when they can sense that things are changing, they can come to you early in that shift and say, look, I think this is where we're headed. This is the feedback we're getting. My experience tells me you have to change this, you have to do that, so that we're getting ahead of this instead of being a victim of it. Yeah, good things to think about. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of Real Estate Pro Tips and Strategies. I'm Leslie Whitney, and I'm with Pete Sabine. We are the five-star real estate team, and we know how to set the stage for your success. Call us to win with us at 925-297-5335. Discover more real estate pro tips. Find our podcast at fivestarrealestateteam.podbean.com. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. We hope you enjoy our real estate pro tips and strategies, and we encourage you to share our podcast with anyone you know who is looking to buy or sell a home. Be sure to like and subscribe, and if you're watching on YouTube, feel free to ring the bell next to the subscribe button so you won't miss a single episode. Thank you to our producer, Sam Lubman, with Painless Podcasts for making this podcast happen. I'm Leslie Whitney with Pete Sabine, and we are the five-star real estate team. Join us for our next episode of Real Estate Pro Tips and Strategies. Call or text 925-297-5335 to reach us with your questions and referrals or send an email to info at 5starrealestatepro.com.